Welcome to the Long Coat Mafia Podcast, where we not only treat all geeks like family, but we dare to ask strangers, what's your geek? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aliens of all shapes, sizes, colors, ages, and those visiting from the shadow realm that wish to listen to our podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the internet's most hated mafia-themed geek podcast, Long Coat Mafia Podcast. It is I, the one, the only Reverend Godfather, a.k.a. the Martinsburg Madman, a.k.a. this show's frontman and main host. Godfather of the past here to tell you, hello there. I see you saw our light was on, you knocked, said trick or treat, so... It is my obligation to say, well, happy Halloween, and here's your treat. That is, this is a brand new episode. This isn't a filler episode this Monday. It is our Halloween special, and it's, a brand again, a brand new episode. You're giving us a Halloween treat, you say? Yes, I am. And it is Halloween-themed, in a way, because... Sasha is going to be talking to a special guest in this episode, and we'll get to that in a moment, because I need to tell you guys and gals out there why you're getting this mean, brand new, non-filler episode today as a treat for Halloween. And main reason is, this past weekend, October 28th and 29th, I was at the Ravenwood Fair. For those who haven't been listening for the past few weeks, the Ravenwood Fair is a Renfest. I was there promoting this show, or at least my end of things. And I don't know if I got any content at this event. Not to mention, Sasha is going to be out and about this weekend. And both of us don't know if we'll be recording an episode for this week. So... No matter what, you guys and gals out there are going to benefit what happens this week. What do I mean by that? Well, this is the main episode for the week. Right here, right now, on a Monday. And if I choose to kind of put out a filler later this week, because me and Sasha didn't record anything, or I didn't get any content, at least you have something to check out later this week. Now... If I got audio content from Ravenwood, a.k.a. the Renfair, then, heck, you have two brand new episodes this week. Or if I recorded an episode with Sasha this past Sunday night, you still get two brand new episodes this week. Now, look at it like this. If I got audio content from Ravenwood and recorded... An episode with Sasha last night on the 29th. You guys and gals out there get three brand new episodes this week. How about them apples? But like I said, if anything, I could drop something later this week as a filler. Whether or not it's a uh, an old school Electric Eye episode or uh, a Covert Cast episode. It might be a... a a electric eye episode because I like to have the covert casts on Mondays. That way you have two different things, one on Friday and maybe one on Monday. But either way, I'll see when that bridge approaches and what I have. 
Will we have some YouTube con content finally on, on our uh, YouTube channel? Whether it be the video version of what you're about to hear or what I get from, or I should say, and or what I get from Ravenwood. Either way, it's still going to be YouTube content for all of you. So, that being said, what did Sasha and her special guest talk about? Well, her, let me say this. Her special guest was named Trevor. And they talked about kind of spaghetti horror in a way, or horror that was being done in Italy and the surrounding area in Europe. But they, for the most part, they talked about uh, zombie movies, or uh, I want to pronounce the name Fucci, Fauci. Uh, I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm going to get yelled at by Sasha, but it will be a good uh, yelling in regards to it. But you'll hear the correct pronunciation in this this episode and in a way, you kind of hear uh, the reason why I dubbed it Spaghetti Zombies is because that's how it was. Spaghetti Horrors, Spaghetti Zombies, just this cheaply made, somewhat put out by a lot of folks. Or let me say this, the definition, definition of Spaghetti, it's kind of an offshoot of Spaghetti Westerns. And for those of you young out there, too young to know what a spaghetti western is, and back in I want to say the as early as the fifties to maybe the seventies, uh, you had a lot of cheaply made western movies made by those in Italy, and that's why they called them spaghetti westerns. There was not really uh, an insult behind it, and it does. It doesn't have that insult or that hate behind it that um, a lot of when you hear like black exploitation movies, uh, it it that title just sounds bad. Um, spaghetti westerns can sound bad too, but or spaghetti horror, but that could be a conversation me and Sasha could have in an episode, whether it been last week's episode or uh, a. I should say a previous week's episode or an upcoming episode over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that and check out this episode. It was a wonderful two hour long conversation that all of you have to hear. And please do hear it instead of using the standard little end music that Sasha wants me to, to use. I'm going to use something different. So uh, either way, hey, George. Cue the music, please. We'll be right back with more of the Long Coat Mafia podcast. Shock and terror with Sasha, the Princess of Darkness, and Chris, the Martinsburg Madman, in Sasha After Dark, the podcast of darkness reboot. Whatever, I'll probably add the okay. servers and everything else. Nothing to sweat. Wasn't sure how you mm. wanted to go about this, because I know you're Mr. Notes. I'm more, let's fucking wing it. Let's give it the old college try. Well, I'm not really Mr. Notes. Um, but no, I, I, I some things I kind of, we had talked before. Mm. Uh, definitely, I think we have some very different takes on Romero and Fulci and the crossover. 
Um, so so I think that's definitely something then. great. To talk about. Yeah, my, oh, wait, I mean, Zombies, the best to start with because that was, you know, uh, it was Fulci's first official horror film uh, because the Gialli technically fell more under the thriller category in Italy. Uh, so, and that's a whole interesting history and everything, but it made it possible for the cycle to happen. So we're going to so. call it zombie or are we going to call it zombie two? What's more respectful here? And is it zombie with an well, I or is it zombie with an IE? Here's, here's the weird thing. So, okay. So one of the reasons why there's this, this whole thing between, you know, Romero and Fulci oh, is because, um, they were going to release it as zombie. It, it was the, the script was zombie. And then they were going to market it as potentially zombie two. Uh, he actually took them to court. Uh, he tried to get the film pretty much seized. And uh, it was all based on semantics. The judge eventually said, nobody owns the word zombie. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, and now besides, it was day of the dead more of an international so thing. Did, or not know. day, dawn. Dawn of the dead stateside. So why did they dawn, dawn of the dead over in Italy? You know, and just been done with it. I, I, uh, it was a marketing thing uh, that Argento did. Uh, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense because in Italy there really was no background in Night of the Living Dead. Uh, so. You know, it. I think he was trying to separate it from the original film for Italy because there was no real massive reference point in Italian culture for, you know, Night of the Living Dead like the United States. Yeah. And Ar Argento, from what I understand, had his own cut of oh, his own cut. I, I yeah. actually, I'm going to say something very horrible. I actually like Argento cuts, it's Argento's better. cut better. Yeah, it's better. Uh, Goblin's music actually fits beautifully mm -hmm. uh, because, of course, you know, George's, you know, literally hand to mouth. It's all stock cues. Uh, so which in that film and what that film represents, it actually works. But as a, you know, just a drive to the film and, uh, you know, a pacing, um goblin score is utterly amazing oh yeah oh yeah it, i mean not mm. there's really nothing wrong with like day of, you know dawn of the dead i i'm not big backer mm. day of the dead so i immediately want to mm. attack that one but um uh, dawn of the dead you know it, it is a decent movie for the 70s um because i'm gonna say what was that 77 78 uh 78 because um zombie was 79 Mm. It was released in Italy in 78. Let's put it that way. Okay. And and this is why folks that are listening, we're recording, so they'll be mm. listening later. But um, mm. this is why I refer to the zombie hole as something I want to travel down sometime. Because there are many movies underneath mm. the title of zombie, be it zombie one, zombie two, zombie three. And depending on the region, the numbering can be way different and there may be other films that are kind of roped into it. It's, it's well, I mean, it, 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 there is a distinct zombie cycle yes. that happens in it. Um, where that all lies, I mean, there are other films uh, that, you know, uh, 
the, the zombie is a prop was a problematic item to begin with because there really was no literary or film archetype uh you could argue frankenstein was a zombie um mm. the mummy very much comes under a zombie concept Flush but as far as <laughs> being, yeah the, the only real backing uh as far as it was you know the the haitian zombie uh concept and of course you know val luton uh did i walk the zombie of course the classic pre-code white zombie and both those films go from the mystical uh voodoo end and a more um, modern take would know, of course it, be serpent and the rainbow uh um, well serpent and the rainbow which is um which is amazing uh, why can't i think of the gentleman's name uh wade davis okay. uh it's the wade davis story uh wade davis uh <laughs> Some people have trouble calling him an anthropologist, even though he's well published and he is a PhD. Um, but he basically the 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 um the, the film is about Wade Davis. And Wade Davis, you know, kind of became the anthropologist that made the circle of the popular uh cult uh shows and stuff like that, because you know, he whoops zombies exist. So but yeah, it was basically like the whole voodoo aspect of a mind mm, yeah. slave. And um, I want to even say like that third Tales from the Crypt um, ritual via movie Tales from the Crypt. Yes, the one where they awfully mm. gave uh, the uh, Crypt Keeper dreadlocks. And then on top of Oh that, yeah, I remember that. It was, what's mm. her name from Dirty Dancing? Lead character? Jennifer Grey? Yeah, Jennifer Grey had just had her nose job and mm. she's in it. And completely unrecognizable. Mm. And you could tell that it was shot and they were trying to seriously get a theatrical run on it, but it didn't get mm. like actual release until later on because Tales from Crypt was kind of on the way out. And it wasn't exactly one of the mm. stronger stories. I mean, hell, I'm the type of person who will argue all day long at Bordello of Blood should have been the first Tales from the Crypt movie instead of Demon Knight. Mm. I don't know why. I enjoy Bordello a whole lot better. <laughs> um, I think Yenji Everhart can friggin' nail a villain, mm. I'm sorry to say. Is that Billy Not... Zane? Yeah, yeah. Zane, Zane did a That's great Zane. villain in that. Great. And mm -hmm. Jada was also great in Demon Knight. But I, I don't mm. know. She... Angie Everhart just nailed something in that. She had because with most vampire <laughs> movies, most of them don't focus a whole lot on the old sexuality of it. At least modern modern mm -hmm. times like from the nineties and the early two thousands, mm -hmm. and now we have Sparkle vampires. Or what? Well, hell, that was almost twenty years ago now. Jeez, oh time. Thus yeah. Here. But, yes, the sparkling vampires now nostalgia, boys and girls. Yeah, yeah, but the thing so we was, can now officially say that it is part of vampire canon. Yeah, so, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, what's hmm. her date from those films? Did redeem herself? Underwater, great flick. I think. Oh it yeah, attention. A secret agent film. Who whom we'll circle back to here eventually at some point. We go mm -hmm. on tangents. Hashtag tangent. But no, like the vampires with the sexuality, mm -hmm. like you didn't see a lot of that. 
and it was less suggested. I'm not talking about like the sexuality that was apparent in like old Hammer films. I mean, because those were sexual, but mm-hmm. it was more like we're being sly and coy about it because we're British. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're just a little randy, you know. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. Angie Everhart nailed it. I I have not seen a vampire villain performance quite like that in ages. Prove me mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> the, the the only really i mean you, you have you have a point there because really the only film you know in between that really touches upon the sexuality is is uh scott's the hunger yeah which I thought is, that was in just, the 80s though it was um, prior to that it was in the 80s yep yep it was in the 80s mm-hmm. but yeah yep. with this she just as i say as far as like super villain vampire this, you that's know? one of the few vampire films but at the same time, you have people like Poppy Z bright writing, mm. and she took it to a whole other level. <laughs> and I mean, you get Corey Feldman, that one drifter guy who all he wants to talk about is vagina. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of feel like you're from dust till dawn, but there's just something that kicks a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I digress. We went down a tangent. <laughs> Voodoo zombies. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to the whole plot mm-hmm. of zombie. And this is one of the things I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, because like I've watched some of uh, Fulci's other films and not just the ones that we talked about today. Off the top of my head, I can't name them. Mm-hmm. I want to say there was a couple slashers that he did. That agree, Like I New guess. York Ripper? Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's what I is most. Yeah, right. We don't call them slashers, though. We call them giallo or whatever people want to call them. I always screw up the announcement. But New York Ripper's a flat. It's just yeah. flat out. It's, it's not a Gialli. It's, it's a slasher. So you see Gialli. I've heard people say Giallo. I've heard so many enunciations. <laughs> Gialli is, is technically plural. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't make a difference, but, you know. Yeah. And it's like, what really defines that? And let's be honest, Carpenter was ripping off the Gialli anyways. Well, Oh yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, you know, it's it's kind of weird you mentioned Carpenter because um, I love Carpenter. Don't get you me can wrong. Look at, oh yeah, Carpenter. I love Carpenter, but you know, um, the zombie is. A film I love like, Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> I, it, it, I like Ice Tea and or Ice Cube and anything. Pardon me, um, but uh, no. Um, I mean, Halloween did much the same thing that Dawn of the Dead did and actually Zombie did. Um, I think that they have both influenced zombie film and what zombies are in contemporary culture equally and in different ways. Right. That's my personal and yeah. I would say even like with this whole subgenre, it's even affected gaming. And a lot of people don't realize that because um, well, Resident Evil. Well, no, no. Um, yeah. Like Zombie itself, the Z-O-M-B-I, Ubisoft made a game mm-hmm. for PCs that, that was based on Dawn of the Dead ages ago. I mm-hmm. want to say it was like Amstrad and then Commodore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking like only Nintendo, and a lot of it was foreign releases because it was under the title Zombie. Mm-hmm. And since it was Ubisoft produced, they somehow held on to the rights to the title. And so when they made that game for mm-hmm. the Wii U, which eventually got ported over to PS4, it wasn't called Zombie U, it was just called Zombie. And I'm like, 
they're playing homage to an older game. And again, it it goes back into my whole thing of, of the zombie hole because mm. it shit gets weird with you know, with day of the, you know day of the dead and zombie. Um, mm. And what I found interesting because we kind of touched on voodoo zombies and of course Romero zombies. Um, because Romero Zombies, honestly, in the original Night of the Living Dead, there was no explanation. It only got added in later via that one radio transmission. I want to say it was, what, a crash satellite or a meteorite or something. That's And that's even, that's even very vague. Yes. That's like, you know, we're basically pulling our hair out trying to find some explanation. Right. Um, and- yeah. And that's what I think is interesting because this movie, Zombie, um, what was it, 1980? Mm. Uh, the, the the zombie flesh eaters? The zombie, uh, Fulci no. zombie. Fulci, which was actually technically originally called Zombie Flesh Eaters. Okay. And uh, it actually, it, it, as it marketed later, that's when they threw zombie. Okay. Or zombie um, it was technically it. during the zombie flesh eaters time that, that, that Argento was still trying to get it. You know, that that's why they won because literally it was like, who owns zombie? It's yeah. a word. Um, so, well, it's like alien. Hmm. Look at, look at alien Two on earth. On second thought, don't watch it. I've already watched it. <laughs> I have seen it. I, I, I'm an Italian, uh, the genre film complete us so yes i've seen it so is this called spaghetti splatter yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i mean we had spaghetti westerns so why not spaghetti splatter mm-hmm. yeah spe- speaking of, of things like that there was a i forget who the director was it was, it was david warbeck i think and it, and it was called alien from the deep mm-hmm. and it it just i don't, I don't think it was a maybe a lindsay I, yeah. I I would look it up at the moment. I won't. But uh, uh, no, that that's that's another one that was a blatant ripoff of Alien. But with Zombie, and I, I think it's very interesting mm-hmm. because like they try to give us an explanation, but they give us two completely different explanations. You got the name, mm-hmm. forgive me. I didn't write down names because I don't do notes. But the doctor that's on the island is pure science. Mm-hmm. Science, 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 yeah. find a cure and stop this. And the residents of the island where all this shit's happening, it's voodoo, it's black magic, mm-hmm. it's what have you. Um, and it kind of tripped me out because I'm sitting there like, okay, so voodoo's being practiced, but we were just in Mexico just a bit ago, or at least somewhere near Mexico or the Gulf of Mexico. And mm-hmm. now we're somewhere where there's Haitian, that, that's a hell of a boat ride. You know, there's Haitian voodoo going on and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going on? What What are the nationalities of these people, please? Because you'll hear bits mm-hmm. of Spanish and you'll also hear bits of Haitian. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting. It's a very interesting. It falls somewhere in, that, in between between the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Yeah, but there's no way that they went from the Gulf of Mexico and met up with that couple that quickly wound up down there. Mm-hmm. To find this mysterious island nobody can find, they find it in like five seconds. <laughs> Matul. Matul, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, what the, 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 so the island of Matul, um, they actually only stumble upon it 
literally by mistake because they hire somebody to take them to Matul, mm-hmm. but they have no desire to. It is only when it becomes apparent that they have to go to the closest island that they enter Matul and uh, all the zombie action around it. <laughs> yeah, which is one of the great, I mean, this, this is a wonderful thing about Fuji. Um, he had such an eye for set pieces and uh it's interesting i mean there's a lot of stuff but see when they were making zombie it was actually this is fulci's first full-fledged horror film and fulci wasn't the original person that they went to um Mm -hmm. uh fabrizio de angelis uh the first person they asked was enzo costarelli and there were several other people before, the, I mean, basically the script sat around for five, six months and uh, he offered it to Fulci and Fulci was like, I've never done this before. Let's do it. Right. And while he was making it, he actually was making it in a kind of tongue in cheek manner. They were quite surprised by how many people were shocked by this film. Mm. That's they they thought by going over the top, it would, you know, be more tongue in cheek. But no, it, it, it literally I mean, they're OK. So if you look at the Romero zombie, Romero zombie has very distinct qualities. And have uh, the, the, the Romero, well, yeah, yeah. But um, so they're flesh eaters. So the flesh eating thing is definitely Romero. No question. Romero's zombies are also an allegory for just the human race in general, right. but also consumerism. They're us, and, them. You know, just every, every, we are to see ourselves in his zombies. Uh, the good and the, well, not the good, but the, basically the bad of us, you know, the, the selfish end, the, you know, uh, the, the, mind brainwashed end of us that just goes through life and does that his zombies i mean i think honestly i mean don't get me wrong savini is amazing i love savini and i think he did this really on purpose is his zombies are very cartoonish even more cartoonish than they were in night of the living dead uh which is virtually no makeup um the zombies uh, that Gianetto de Rossi created for zombie flesh eaters are, they're gritty, they're of the earth, they're rotting. They're Where Romero is talking a great deal in his films about zombies as allegories to life, Fulci's zombies are all about the horrors and disgusting element of death. Yes. And that's what makes it very different. And I mean, I, I just I just thought it was interesting because there's a lot of good ideas, but and I I hate I hate to say this because I know Fulci's kind of revered. Um, and it may be something that's lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the cut I watched, but the movie seemed extremely short. But it seemed like it was working up some sort of. You idea. said something about an hour. Yeah, just over an hour. It's it's a ninety like ninety ninety three minute film. Yeah, it was. Well, I didn't sit through the credits, but well, I, mean, I... <laughs> it, 
I mean, this, this this is the funny thing. So, okay, so right there, you touched upon a wonderful thing that I uh, were part of the generation that remembers this. So, in your VHSs in the United States, uh, along with other countries, but the United States is really good at this one. Um, you'd rename the film, and to get it out on VHS as soon as possible, you'd cut out the sex and the gore. And you'd also cut out large parts of plot. Oh, and we still you have the phenomenon scene. being creepers. Well, you still had the eyeball scene, but the eyeball scene, but that, you know, it, it was a film that, I mean, it's one of the classic video nasties. Um, but, you know, like a lot of Italian films, along with the gore and such being taken out, large parts of plot. Uh, I mean, that's why, you know, when, you know, the uncut Argentos came out, they went from being, oh, wow, to, wow. Because, like, there's <laughs> it's a like, scene you know, where, where the doctor is removing blood from himself. And he's looking at a microscope, and I'm like, okay, what are you doing here? And then we're suddenly dealing with zombies showing up. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Let's explain what you're doing here. Have some rando come in and explain why you're implementing your blood into this blood sample. Because I have watched the thing often enough mm. to know you need to pay attention to what's going on with that blood sample. You know? <laughs> and it's... Did it at least have the, the information that uh, uh, T.F. Arrow or Tisha Farrow's father was his assistant? Yes, yes. Because he was the one that okay, was... Good. Oh, it so, was that's his that's, boat. That's I don't know if he was supposed to be on the boat. But it was his no, because he he got shot in the head. That's right, and he got buried on the island. Yeah, well, he he had sent communication, uh, but ended up having to be be killed. Right, right. So, mm. and and I, I thought that was kind of interesting because you kind of show what happens there, and like the zombie get knocked off the boat in New York. You know, it's got an interesting build mm -hmm. to it. The ending kind of seals up what happens in, in the beginning because we're so focused mm. on figuring out what happened to this girl's father and getting to the island and what the doctor's doing here. And is it voodoo? Is it, you know, some sort of science mm. or disease? Um, but there it seems like there's a lot of it all tossed out, out at once at you. And I was mm -hmm. still also still trying to understand, like, because the doctor's there and his wife, I'm assuming that's his wife, because that's the way it was treated, or at least the way I understood the, it. The, 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 the woman that is torn apart uh, when Ian McCullough and Tisha Farrow and the gang take a Jeep out to a house, that is his wife. Right. So I'm trying to understand why she had this major breakdown. I mean, she knew that the dead was already there. But she seemed like she was in a relatively safe spot until we find out later she's not. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing of it is, is, is that she already knows that this is going on. She knows he's a doctor. He's studying something and something mm -hmm. screwed up. But for her to get to the point where she already hates his guts and if they weren't stuck on an island, mm -hmm. you know that there's a divorce hearing coming up very soon. Oh, um, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, where did all of this come from? I mean, was there some sort of extramarital affair going on? Was she sleeping with one? No, of I think I think it was more the fact that she knew that it was going it was getting out of control. 
Oh, okay. That he had become obsessive about trying to find some cure because we're given like another a taste. One. We're not given like five mm-hmm. months later, you know, and we're not seeing them as a happy couple mm-hmm. and then five months later because that well, to me would give it a little bit more of a punch, you know? Well, I mean, we're cool now, his five wife months later, not so much. I mean, his wife in the film really is only there to propel the action that eventually happens to house. get her eyeball ripped out so, or yeah, not ripped out but the yeah to you know get, and it. then yeah. you know that whole and, and then the whole scene in which you're introduced to um the first you know full-fledged fulci gut uh crunching scene mm-hmm. um so now it's interesting because you know, we talked about the zombie cycle. And we're going to touch upon that, but zombie um, was actually not written in any way by Fulci. Usually Fulci, if he took a film uh, had some credit in the screenplay, right? Uh, there Donald Scanetti uh, was one of the main writers. Um, it, you know, it, it had been kicked around for a long time. Um, you know, it, there's something about, okay, so Fulci in himself, uh, he was very transgressive in all the genres that he tried, uh, you know, and that's what makes Fulci so special in the Italian, uh, Mm -hmm. director's field, uh, that, you know, it's always been so easy to look at his films as grotesque things like that but his gialli are insanely transgressive lizard in a woman's skin is not your typical gialli um don't torture a duckling is by no means your traditional gialli um you know uh so it only makes sense that he's going to take the zombie in a very different direction as well and that's what you see when finally gets that's when he finally gets to when you get to the trilogy the gothic trilogy uh, a lot of people like to put zombie into a quadrology and that's fine and dandy but it's zombie in itself thematically is basically it a warm-up it yeah fit. it doesn't th- it's a warm-up for what he he and scardenti wanted to do eventually which you know is by far more atmosphere based it is and Dardeno Scardetti will be the first person to say yeah I, I I approach these and Lucio and I approach these as being Lovecraft oriented um you know it they're very different but you know I I find the first the first film the, the zombie flesh eaters I find it very entertaining I mean it's got you know for I mean, a lot of Italian cinema, especially Fulci. Fulci. I mean, I remember before Fulci was really given the the, the element of love that he deserves. Um, you know, one of, one of Fulci's he loved Bunuel, so Fulci, given the chance, wanted to play with surrealism, mm. and you know, uh, Zombie is one of his most straightforward films uh, as far as narrative, but still with that uh there's always kind of a dream like quality right to his work 
And the thing, it, it just, like, the whole explanation stuff just kind of set me off. And then, like, mm. for me, you've got several different types of zombies running around. See, me, I, I'm always one who needs rules. Because when it was first, like, mm-hmm. the newly dead and then freshly reanimated, I was like, okay, now mm-hmm. we can kind of dip more into the science and maybe a touch of the voodoo but it would lean more mm. toward the science. But then you get to the graves, the ones that have been buried for quite a while, because they find like um, a conquistador helmet, for example, and mm-hmm. this graveyard full of old dead things are being reanimated, mm-hmm. which not possible even in a scientific manner. It'd have to be black magic, but it never gave us a definitive answer one way or the other you know it just and to me it's like i i don't want an explanation because let's be honest if we were going through a zombie apocalypse i don't think you or i are going to sit down and try to figure out exactly what's going on we're going to be too wired for survival but you said you said the magic word apocalypse yes um you can this this is also something that is you know part of the romero films and if you i mean so zombie flesh eaters um is how it's you know as far as the beginning the iconic fat zombie as we'll call them um it's a film about the apocalypse and it's a film about a obsessed doctor that refuses to give in to what is the apocalypse um you know and that you know uh, that's why I think it's so amazing. And it, it, it's interesting because I think it moves well into his other films. Now there, there are, there are films in the zombie cycle, uh, like nightmare city, mm-hmm. uh, Lenzi, that's a, a, a chemical virus film. Um, was it, uh, revenge of the living dead? Uh, that was Bruto Manetti's, mm-hmm. uh, that is a chemical and a rat. <laughs> So, you know, there are films that do give some kind of, but in my opinion, the best ones are ones that are mysterious. Right. Um, Fulci's, so, so there is actually a, a history of zombies in Italian cinema that is much more prevalent than uh, cinema in other countries. So Mario Bava used uh, zombies in several of his films, uh, but they tended to be the fantasy ones, like the Peplums, uh, like Hercules and the Haunted World. And then you had Planet of the Vampires. Right. Uh, but then you also had films um, right, roughly around 72, you had Amando Osadio's Tomb of the Blind Dead, which is another. Now, those are some films I want to get into with you at some point for another. Oh, they're time. phenomenal. They're phenomenal. But then I also have to touch upon a film that came out around that same time that I think Fulci pulls more from than he does anything by Romero, and that's Jorge Grau's uh, Living Dead of Manchester Morgue, otherwise known as Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Okay. Uh, that that's amazing and the 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 the, the explanation is so amazing in it because it is there's a new piece of farm equipment that kills insects i've seen that with a particular 
a particular uh, sound wave. Yeah. Yes, sound wave. it's not even yes. pesticide, it's a sound wave. Yeah. Sound. And the sound reanimates wave brings the, dead. the dead back. I remember and it, seeing it, that one. It, it just, it's an amazing film. I mean, it's just, it, it's out there. Hours, an amazing director. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I just so, liked it because it did leave a lot of things up in the air. But for me, I mean, out of the four I watched, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, simply because of that mm-hmm. ending shot. That ending shot is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like they're shuffling across. What is that supposed to be? Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're shuffling across Quite Brooklyn Bridge. You that. got regular traffic going, yeah. which is kind of cool. Little story on that because it was okay. So it was um, oh um, the producer Angelus, uh, and actually I. think it might have been Michelle Michelle, Michelle Suave, uh, one of the assistant directors, did it. But literally, it basically was a van or two vans full of about 40 people that De Rossi did quick makeup jobs on. Mm-hmm. They jump out, they get set up, and it's totally without a permit. That's another thing about this movie. All the New York scenes, not without one permit. permit. I can imagine because even no one of my favorites, Ghostbusters, yeah. like 90% of the shots they took was all guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Fulci with I mean, a lot of Italian productions were doing that and Spanish productions, but you know, it's definitely taking at least from the Larry they didn't shoot some Italian city for New York. We got to give them credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't Jason. Well, Takes speaking of Manhattan, credit where credit's due, say Toronto. <laughs> Oh, good God. Yeah. He visits Manhattan after a very boring time at sea. Um, but zombie is also important in the fact that... <laughs> so, zombie flesh eaters and the, you know, City of the Living Dead specifically um, kind of started a trope. Uh, it's it, it, was, it, it had been done in the Cannibal Cycle too, which is prior but it really took off was the fact that, you know, basically almost all of your Italian horror movies were starting in New York. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, even every like black Emmanuel movie basically starts in New York city. Well, you have to understand like around that time, that's when they were handing out that wacky ass flyer with like the skull and crossbones on it about how this is the city of death. Mm. Mm. I just feel like saying, damn, I'm old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How wasn't that in history books? Hmm. Well, speaking, what's that? Wasn't that flyer in history books even when we went to school? It had to have been. I think so. Yeah. I think so, yeah. This is the city of death. Don't stay out past well, 8 o'clock. <laughs> well, that, let's talk a bit about the Gates of Hell trilogy. Yes. And that, of course, starts out with a bang which yes. is City of the Living Dead. Starts with a bang, goes out with hell. a number. Hey, you know, well, I have a lot of love for House by the Cemetery, uh, but there are things... It's funny, they're booked in by two very different bobs. <laughs> yes. You have the bob yes. of Gates of Hell, and you have the bob of uh, the bob City of the Living Dead. The bob that's been called and- Kenny. 
yeah, the, the, the Bob that, you know, there's part of you, no matter how wonderfully suspenseful it's filmed, you kind of want Freudstein to kill a little shit. Yeah, uh, I think it's funny because I think I even messaged you. I think now we know. Which basically, is is Italian Italian I'll Virginia. give a spoiler. He does. <laughs> I mean, I sorry, know. guys, but Gray area. if there's any ambu ambiguity to the ending of uh, House by the Cemetery, Bob's dead. Little guy does not make it out. But it's not a violent death, so, so we don't get to see it. We don't get to enjoy it. He gets adopted by a ghost family. Mm. Spoilers. He gets by the daughter and wife of Dr. Freudstein. Yes. And to me, it's just like, ugh. Yeah. It's always been Dr. Freudstein's house. <laughs> don't call it the Freudstein house. <laughs> But yes. okay, well, let's talk about City of yeah, the Living City of Dead the Dead. or Gates of and Hell. And since we started with Bob, so <laughs> yeah, Bob so, his blow up doll. I mean, right off fetus. the bat. Oh, good God! Yes, there's no law. Okay, so one that of the wasn't dead fetus, right? There was just the way too many maggots and everything else. Well, yeah. To go. Yeah, fetus. Yes, it was supposed to be a dead fetus. Um, it, it's over the top, uh, to say the least. Um, but okay, so the these films one. are not supposed to make sense. Uh, Fulci's goal was atmosphere, so you know, uh, to say that they are confusing, um, th that that's what they are. They get progressively well, not really. The Beyond is is the most confusing of the films. But it starts out very much with the the gothic. Uh, I mean, yes. you have the, the priest and the priest, the tombs, this tombstone that says, you know, uh, this is the town of Dunwich, H.P. <clears throat> Lovecraft. Um, also, you 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 uh, get the the reference to the Twilight Realm, the original Salem, um, the Book of Yeah. There, there's this weird interesting element there you have the book of enoch in city living dead but the book of ebon in the second film um you know there's so many ways you can connect them but city of the living dead i think is paced the best uh i think that it has the the best uh, camaraderie between the actors and it also features uh, effects by uh, De Rossi that are mind-boggling that to this day I some of those I have never been topped I mean the the, the, ending, the idea the only, the only okay, complaint so, I have is that ending because I could tell it felt like it was tacked on for scares and it's like you could tell it's supposed um, to be a happy ending but it's not it was a necessity in the editing room because I don't remember what the original ending was supposed to be, but Fulci and everybody, when they got to it and were ready to film, were like, no, we don't like this. So basically, uh, in the editing room, they said, we'll figure something out. And that's where that ending comes. It, it, at um, least they didn't But I, I kind of like it. Like that one Italian director did, and I can't think of which movie it is, The Nightmare is now reality. But Oh yeah, 
I'm trying to remember which one that is too. Yes. That 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 could have easily fit into that in the nightmare is now reality. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, I, I hate to say too bad of things about the ending because it does thematically connect. There's in the trilogy, there's this definite connection with children. Children are very prevalent in the films, and I would also put the adult Bob in the place of a child because his maturity level. What was the deal with and honestly? Bob, his innocence. Though. I mean, child. not 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 the whole odd sexuality thing, but like all the teenage mm-hmm. girls, or at least girls in their twenties, were still kind of hot and bothered by Bob. Well, I think it was less hot and bothered by Bob than honestly the younger girls felt comfortable around him. I mean, there was an, an element to his shyness and his, uh, it's funny because the town wants to blame everything on Bob because Bob, even if he would have done something with, he was an outsider um, and outcast. the young lady. Yeah. He was the outside of the outcast. He never actually did anything bad. Because but, like before you know, he even got he, drilled, it was the girl who was like, "Oh, let's smoke this pot," and like I'm just like, "Yeah, Wait, yeah, Bob, you got it going he's, on. He's, Why do you have the blow up doll? What's going on here, buddy?" Mm-hmm. Which I, I I think that 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 is yet again supposed to be a reference to his innocence, and you know his you know he's he's an outsider. He's kind of dirty. Maybe he looks a little creepy, but I'm he sorry. honestly is just. You He's and I both special. know for a fact a blow-up doll does not blow up like that. An escape raft, no, no. yes. If you need a raft no. and your boat is sinking and you're out in the middle of the ocean, yes, that thing will inflate in 30 seconds or less. So anybody out mm. there watching want to make a blow-up doll that can inflate in 30 seconds or less, you're going to be a multimillionaire somewhere. <laughs> well, well, also, also Bob didn't have any access to a motorized uh, pumping uh instrument that might be able to do it yeah uh, <laughs> so threw it on the ground like you would no, it, it, it is a strange scene because yeah i'm like the supernatural's already started here <laughs> and then dead baby mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's an extreme and you know like the movie opens with the hanging mm-hmm. you know because essentially that's what i take is going on you see all the tombstones keep cutting to the mm-hmm. priest and then we jump to the psychics. And that was interesting because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I would love to read those police reports from those two guys, especially after the dead girl comes back to life. <laughs> I mean, can you just see the day that they're having with paperwork? What do you mean she's not dead? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so this is what bothered me uh, as far as, you know, things in the film. So, okay, so Katarina McCall, who is in all three of the zombie uh, the the gothic trilogy right she is assumed dead she's buried alive but not even in what seems to be like well okay so there, there there's an explanation to that one okay if you see the table it's a reference to the fact that there's some element of judaism okay connected to so it 
whether that was just something they stumbled upon or whatever, but that explains that to an extent. The problem for me is why in a half hour after that is she flirting with Christopher George? Oh, why, why was the guy in the first? He seems way too action as, underneath the ruse. Fun. I mean, his, his bold and his age yeah. was clearly showing in that in zombie. If you recall, you know, the, the, the reporter. Oh, well, and he's like, yeah, we got to make out now. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to get into that, we can, because uh, you mentioned Christopher George, who, you know, is uh, a horror icon that reluctantly became one. Uh, I mean, of course, he was in many of William Girdler's films, uh, which he probably is best known for in the United States. Um, but, uh, okay, so... I'm sure you've heard the stories about Lucio Fucci being a asshole, a misogynist, a sadist. You hear that all these so many things. directors. I've I've stopped even listening to it until there's actual evidence mm. and reports and action against them. Because you hear it all the time. I mean, look at Kubrick, for example. Oh, he was intense. Oh, he was terrible. Maybe the actors were a bunch of pussies. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Well, it, it, in Fulci's take, uh, maybe it's not the best thing for a director, but Lucio Fulci, I mean, he had been making movies for a very, very long time. He made an amazingly large number of comedies. He made musicals. Um, so he came from a very professional background. He's also a very technically, you know, well-trained director. Right. But it... You know, you heard all these stories, then you started like, you know, the people that he was constantly working with or people who were known to be consummate professionals. He loved them and they loved him. If you weren't professional, if you weren't willing to do what you signed on to do yeah, uh, or you in any way was a were a diva of any kind, uh, he hated you and he was going to make your life hell. He wanted complete professionalism from everybody. And, you know, people like Fabrizi and uh, De Rossi and uh, Dodano Scadetti and uh, De Angelis, uh, Katerina McCall, Ian McCullough, who's in Zombie, all have lovely things to say about him. And over the years, people who have known people who worked with him have nothing but great things to say about him. Uh, now, back to Christopher George. Christopher George shows up for City of the Living Dead, not taking it seriously at all, uh, knowing that he's like, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm bottom of the barreling it. Um, which actually works in the film because him being cocky and everything right. um, works, but he and Christopher George hated each other. That 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 was actually on the set. The real, the only like issue that Fulci had with anybody. Uh, but it would get out of hand. Now, there's a famous scene in City of the Living Dead or Gates of Hell, the maggot scene. Mm -hmm. um, they're real maggots. Oh yeah. Uh, the only thing that Katarina Paul. What? Oh yeah. I you could tell. That? You could tell. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, the only thing Katerina McCall had an issue with, but she did it, 
but this is the kind of person Christopher George was. So, uh, Fulci was a was a big time pipe smoker. He right. smoked his pipe all the time. Uh, he was even known for smoking it upside down because he was so, you know, kind of ADHD ish. Mm. Um, so, after that scene. Um, he sneaked over with the help of one of the camera techs and took a handful of maggots and put them into Fulci's pouch mm. of tobacco. Oh, geez. Which, of course, led to him. Yeah. Now, after that, the relationship was done. Yeah, but obviously. That's... That, you know, Christopher George, in certain ways, is kind of a big kid. So, but I mean that that one I I will say out of the three because like you said I don't really even include zombie as part of that I don't know why it gets lumped in with mm-hmm. them, um but that film in and of itself I thought was basically superior out of all the other ones that were there. In fact, honestly, the oh yeah, in which they were released was mm-hmm. each one was like that. The first film was the best one, City of the Dead. Um, mm-hmm. then you had the secondary one, um, the beyond that was pretty good, but I wasn't buying a lot. I still, th- I still, I, I put them both together. I think those are my two favorite, um, I hate to say favorite, um, my two full films. I find myself revisiting the most. I could tell um, that they were trying because to do beyond is really not supposed to happen. Yeah. Mm. Well, the Beyond is set in, you know, that Faulknerian kind of South and that Southern Gothic. Yes. And it is not supposed to make sense. Uh, oh, it trippy. is supposed yeah, to be like a dream. Yeah, it's very trippy. Uh, and it explained, well, now it was even released in the United States as a cut version of Seven Doors to Hell. Right. And that goes back to the Book of Ebon and the Seven Doors of Death, uh, or, or, or of Hell, uh, which technically you can tie those three films to it. Um, because, you know, the, the, the House of Freudstein is never really explained how he was able to uh as a doctor he didn't figure out how to um you know live his life rotting away needing human corpses to stay kind of functional it has to have some mystical element to it so they all bind together um but i think you know visually i think that the beyond is stunning um you know, David Warbeck is not as exciting or, you know, the relationship between him and Katerina McCall versus Christopher George and Katerina McCall, which bizarrely at times, like I pointed out, but there's this like a, there's this flirtiness, mm. flirtiness, flirtiness that um, helps lighten a very dreary film. Um, so you know so there's really no light element to the beyond <laughs> you know it yeah, just it just goes the beyond i will say it and it's gonna sound strange but like it almost kind of reminds me of midsummer night's dream a little bit just a little bit okay okay 
Yeah, kind of. Um, it does have that air of a dream um, where things are very surreal. It did have a great setup. I will say that, like, plot-wise. Because for me, it's all about story. You could make a shit movie, but if you had a story there, I'm invested. And basically, you know, inheriting a whole entire hotel that's got some shaky history in and of itself is a plot. You know, and then of course you got the dude that mm. was in there back in the, what was it, the forties or the twenties? Uh, it was the twenties, I think. Yeah, and then he or gets taken it, down to I the basement and nailed to the wall. The artist, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. because apparently and he was demonic. Assumedly acidic thing yeah. is thrown on him. Some right. some acidic fluid, and it was waking up some sort of seal of hell or gate of hell as well. You know, and the ending is kind of reflective of the painting. So I mean, it all comes back in to, together. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, just, it, it is a is a tight film, but it is a dream film. Yes. I think the only thing that really bothers me is Joe. Uh, Joe just randomly shows up places. It's like you know, this happens to Joe, the plumber, and then next thing you know, we're in Joe getting embalmed. And Joe uh, having his wife put clothing on for his his uh, his funeral and it, it, that stuff is all kind of no okay and, it doesn't fit but with it, the daughter okay going blind all about tone with the daughter going mm-hmm. blind was that supposed to some way kind of connect to the other blind chick in the movie as well. I mean, because it kind of felt like they were kind of leading to that, but then what happens with that little girl toward, like, the climax kind of alleviates that, but it felt like there could have been threads hinting at the other blind woman trying to kind of give future past advice, if that makes sense. Well, the the blind woman, uh, I'm sorry, I cannot remember her name, um the actress um but it's it's really fascinating because uh katarina mccall's character in the beyond is literally living an entire life that is fantasy uh or somehow it's you know transmuted onto her by this dead woman Because the blind girl is just trying to do everything she can so she doesn't have to return to the side in which uh, they walk to in the end and they they come out blind. So they officially enter the beyond. Right, but you know how the little girl goes blind from like during that whole acid incident and it's kind of shown toward the end of the film, if you recall? Yeah. And Uh, to me, my brain was kind of like making a mental connection because you had the one which at the beginning of the movie, it was kind of relaying the tale. And it wasn't, I mean, she seemed like she was Mm -hmm. blind and it seemed like it was the same chick later on in the movie. And to me, when when you're dealing with supernatural stuff, you can deal with time slips and time jumps and things of that nature. It just kind of felt like Mm -hmm. we're watching the progression of this character, but out of order. Here's how the little girl got blinded. Here's the little girl now in the 40s, and then here she is trying to help out during the situation while she was still a little girl. And to me, 
I'm like, that mm-hmm. could have been its own separate, really twisted, interesting story because that's why that house yeah. is empty mm-hmm. and is abandoned mm-hmm. because it doesn't quite exist yet. It was weird. Well, and- the, the whole... The whole inclusion of Plumber Joe's family is kind of problematic as far as you have no reason to care about these people at all. And some of the main action in the center of the film happens to them. Right. And and, and yeah. to me, it's just, yeah, it, it definitely was out there. And it was one of those movies where I literally had to sit down and watch it again not because mm-hmm. it was good. I mean, Grant, the first mm-hmm. one was City of the Dead, or City of the Living Dead. Um, but I had to watch it again just to make sure I wasn't missing something. Because every time I watched it, I felt mm-hmm. like I was missing something. I'm like, I've already watched this twice. I'm not watching it a third time. So I even had the second mm-hmm. watching the rewind button close by so I could wait. What did they just say? And I don't know if it's 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 yeah it just feels a lot of these stories have something missing to it and mm-hmm. it kind of adds to the enigma and everything else they're shot beautifully they're done well except for this last one we'll talk about that here in a second but you know it, it just feels like there's something missing like zombie had its own missing bits city of the living dead had that very off-putting ending i'm like just make it be the happy ending or just cut the end where they get out of the well and leave it ambiguous you know saying hey you know um was it all saints day or whatever day it was it already passed and they failed anyway so the dead come rising up and just cut it there they are now november 1st yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it would have been it would have been a better ending um but this one just there was something here and I'd watch it again, but just to see what I missed. And it is shot beautifully. And mm-hmm. it's just like a lot of the Cajun accents. I just didn't feel were on the nose. You know, I was like, they were trying way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, let, let, let's go into the world of Dr. Freudstein. It's the Freudstein uh, house. Uh, it's house always been the, the Freudstein house. <laughs> Freudstein house. So it's always been the so, well, it, it, house. <laughs> I like to stick the with film. Me. I it's not one of my it's not one of my all time favorites, but it it only in certain ways thematically truly connects to the Gothic trilogy. It is part of it there because there are so many still Lovecraftian elements to and even it. The story and there is Lovecraftian. New England. Yeah, there's a, a New England uh contemporary gothicness to this old house. <laughs> yeah, so you have the old house trope, but it's actually in some ways more a proto slasher film. Yes. And that's what I felt yeah. too. So it is but it we makes a thematic what? shift that the babysitter kill, and then the family, uh-huh. and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aside from well, the, uh, also the realtor, previous yeah. family, the realtor. Gets it. Oh, the real yeah, yeah, that's right. She did. So you have uh, you have the realtor, the babysitter, 
uh, the family itself. And I swear there's another kill in there. I apologize. I can't remember. But um, there's another kill and I forget. Oh, okay. Duh. Okay. So it's weird because it's never really explained, but the two people at the beginning of the film, mm. which is another thing about these, these films I think is very special is they don't rely on sex and Italian and Spanish co-productions and individual productions almost always wanted to mix sex with horror. Now, uh, City of the Living Dead, uh, no, but I'm sorry, that House by a Cemetery, it's getting late, um, has a bit of a sex scene mm -hmm. in the beginning that leads to two very violent killings by Dr. Freudstein. The first couple times I watched the film, I somehow thought they were connected to the professor who kills himself. But no, these are just two random people that are getting it on in this house. There's no explanation for that, in my knowledge. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I've never been able to pick it up. Because the professor that finds out about Freudstein doing his research kills himself in the library. Mm. So, yeah. So you have to put in those kills, too. And I, that's always like, you know, let's just give two more random kills. Let's, you know, let's start this movie like we've done with the other ones with a bang yeah but it just it, it's just the whole delivery of it because like you watch the first two films and you're like wow you know there's, there's definitely something unique about both of them and and i hate to kind of pigeonhole it like this but you get the mad scientist trope in the end of this who's just killing people the mad scientist trope yeah killing people well, to yeah, stay it, in his it, life it also it's it feels the most contemporary yeah. of the gothic trilogy so it you know definitely you know is the most that is centered in you know academia wanting to find real reasons for why these things happen and you know i find the young man, I forget his name, I apologize, I don't have it, but the played Bob, there's the, the voiceover on that is just, I, yeah. yeah, you just want to strangle me. I, I don't think it would be been with the original voice either. I, I think it just would have still been annoying. No, 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 yeah, it was, but you know, it also, you know, is. I think that House by the Cemetery has some of the most suspenseful uh, scenes that Fulci has ever filmed. I mean, he successfully makes this trope of the door, mm. and again, referencing the, the, the doors of death. Um, he uses this continual trope, but is able to keep it that this, this, it's very suspenseful. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's a movie that makes you jump more than the other films. Um, the the other films are just they're basically watching like an hour and a half of dread. Yeah, and the other films, at least to some degree, it kind of 
had kind of like an apocalyptic feel to them even even you know mm-hmm. the beyond to some degree because now we're in this weird post-apocalyptic world full of dead bodies and like this gray sea you know well gray mm-hmm. fog and everybody's blind and they were talking about a gate of hell opening up which of course you know is going to cause all kinds of problems in the world but this one yeah mm-hmm. just a mad scientist in the basement pops out kills people on occasion don't go to that house you know it's mm-hmm. it's not like Dr. in the Freudian family through through spirit populates the house yes so it you know it it, it, it is this proto slasher that has a by far more like you know uh old dark house with ghost and a mad scientist so you know that they're of the movies it's the one that you know i think tips the hat to uh the classic horror film yeah so if you want to watch a better take on the old scientist and the haunted house just watch the asphyx way better <laughs> no with that is it yeah as a oh, I, I i i still i still stand by it as being you know a great fulci film uh, now we've talked a lot about. I just want to say that you know, Fulci, you know, the films that came from that cycle are most of the time considered, you know, his voice right. his, at his best. Uh, but I definitely recommend checking out, you know, what he was doing with the Gialli. A uh, lizard in a woman's skin is very trippy. It's very psychedelic. Um, don't torture a duckling. Uh, very critical of the Catholic Church, which um, it where Fulci wasn't necessarily political. He had some major issues with the church. Right. Um, I. You could kind of tell uh, the some psychic. of the religious overtones in some of these films, mm-hmm. too. It was there. Yeah, the psychic is a very fascinating take on the Gialli. Because mm-hmm. uh, yet again, it, it, you know, it, 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 it has a mysticism quality to it. Um, and I, I, as far as other... I, 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 I can't get my head around Manhattan Baby. I've tried so hard. And there's just something about it I just can't bring myself to but um i mean if you can try to check out this wonderful uh his uh basically taking har this is something fuji did beautifully he loved to mix things and so four for the apocalypse is this beautiful mix of horror and gritty western um you know that is that's a high point um the lat cat in the brain i have to say cat in the brain I is that one it's not a great film mm-hmm. but you know it's probably his last quality film and you know for somebody who you, you got to give it I mean, this this is a meta film in which there's been very few meta films made and whether or not you think of it, it, it it's amazing to think that lucio fulci can like actually star in a film about himself and he actually does a good job i mean is the final product that's arguable but there are certain elements to it that are very original right 
Yeah. So and, I and recommend like, that. Fulci, when it comes down to it, like, because the thing I really want to look into is the whole zombie cycle, as you and I mm. have discussed, because it kind of devolves from Fulci's, you know, zombie flesh eaters um, into zombie three afterlife. Um, can't think of what zombie mm. four is, and I want to say zombie five is something about birds. Zombie four is just zombie four. Okay. And then Zombie 5 is Killer Birds, which I think probably was just some random film. And they were like, oh, we'll just toss a zombie on it. Right. Um, and it just kind of devolves. But when you go to other countries, some of the sequels, quote unquote, are taken mm-hmm. out and other movies are substituted in. And sometimes the yes. series continued on, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. It's like um, demons and demons three. Yes, it's kind of like the, the uh, ogre film. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, with um, Evil Dead. It had a bunch of sequels over in certain countries too. It was called La Casa, mm-hmm. and it was kind of lumped in with the yeah. House series. And mm-hmm. yeah, you get all of these unrelated. Lindsay did one, didn't he? Huh? I think Umberto Lindsay did one of those. Yes, but yes. they know he did. Yep. And good old Umberto Lindsay. <laughs> to talk about a pompous human being. Yeah. Oh, trust <laughs> me. Umberto I... Lindsay took credit for everything. In Umberto Lindsay <laughs> would sometimes like make movies where he would give himself a fake name, but then later credit himself in the movie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why'd you give yourself a fake name, bud? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he was well, I mean, let, let's touch upon quickly his um con- contribution to the zombie cycle. Uh, Nightmare City, uh, okay. which is one of his better films. Um, it is one can say there is definitely references to Romero's crazies, but you know, unlike Umberto Lenzi saying, you know, he created the cannibal film or whatever, uh, it's a huge influence on what eventually became the 28 Days Later films. Mm-hmm. I mean the the the, the running the, the running zombie was an Umberto Lenzi. <laughs> so I mean I will give him due where he 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 deserves due. Uh, the running zombie was not a twenty eight days later thing. That was Lenzi. Yeah, and I will say twenty eight days later, the second one, um, which was what uh, twenty eight weeks later. Uh, twenty eight weeks later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we didn't get months. We're close to getting years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if it ever does happen um, but, um like but i would say the second one was a was a great sequel it's got some interesting mm-hmm. pacing yeah. mm-hmm. but again it wasn't an american production so this is why yeah and also had one of the great directors is functioning today yes um but uh some other ones that are worth checking out in the, the italian zombie cycle um one of my personal favorites uh, is by a true sleaze merchant, Andre Biacci, okay. uh, who's also known for his uh, giallo called Strip Nude for Your Killer. And uh, 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 my, one of my personal favorite uh, transgressive pieces of junk, Malabimba. Okay. Uh, you know, so that burial ground is is this bizarrely beautiful film that really has no logic at all, but also features one of the weirdest 
mother-son necrophilia dynamics in any film. Um, so I do recommend that if you want over the top. Um, as far as other films, I want to bring up um, a film that is, was released as Zombie Holocaust, but then re-edited and released in the United States called Dr. Butcher MD. Okay. This was made about six months after Zombie. And from kind of what I got is they, they kind of knew pretty soon as things were going on is this was going to be hot. And as soon as it was released, it went gangbusters and it, it was sold internationally. Great. So uh, zombie Holocaust is the idea of like, well, if we mix cannibals and zombies, but hey, let's get basically the exact same cast from zombie and also use all the same freaking sets oh geez and these sets were location so they're, they're fun films to watch together because it's like this weird messed up sequel because you have like so many actors returning actors basically playing the same character uh the hospital is the same it's just it it it, it, it yeah it's not a good film, and the Dr. Butcher MD cut is even more absurd. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the zombie, you know, really came into its own. Uh, and I think the contemporary zombie, you know, owes more to Lucio Fulci than Romero. Yeah. Um, you know, like The Walking Dead and things like that, you know, uh, Fulci zombies are not political. They are, you know, they're supposed to show the horrors and disgustingness and uh, of death and, you know, the, the how the earth, you know, just, you know, takes you back. Um, and I think in certain ways, you know, that and, and especially the makeup of uh, De Rossi uh, has had a huge influence. Um, Romero still do. But there are fewer and fewer films that approach the zombie in a truly social confine uh, like Romero did. You have more things like The Walking Dead and stuff like that. That you I know, think my favorite all-time zombie movies, and I'm going to phrase them like this, involve German soldiers, you know, because we're going to be on YouTube. Oh, Shockwaves. Yes, I love Shockwaves. I love um, the more recent Frankenstein's Army. Okay. I don't know if you've seen Frankenstein's Army yet or not, but it's worth watching. Yes, it's very good. That came and, out a couple um, years ago. It's phenomenal. I also love um, the Red Snow like uh, duology. I'm hoping for a trilogy, okay. but I don't so know where else in, they can go with If that. you're into Nazi zombies, what are your feelings about Zombie Lake? Oh, I hate that movie. I tried to get through it. I okay, now don't get it confused with Oasis of the Zombies. Okay, well, this one had a lot of tips. So, Not that, that it's necessarily well, a bad thing. Well, I think that was probably... Did it, did it make no sense at all? Yes, made no sense at all, but there seemed it, to also be like a German soldier relationship. That had an offspring. Yeah, it kind of became incestuous. There were there were Nazi things. Yeah, uh, it was set 
in like a oasis, literally. Okay. Okay. So you have the 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 Jesus, the Jesus Franco uh, one, which is Oasis of the Zombies, which is utterly dreadful. Okay. Uh, and I watched the Zombie wrong Lake one. is a genre. The 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 Zombie Lake is a genre in, and it is actually quite good. Um. Is it one of his best films? No, but it, unlike the Franco film, there is a story and there is pacing and there is logic. But I would uh, say for like, Jean Roland, out of the ones that we just talked about, like we both strongly agree on Shockwaves because it's yeah. not your traditional zombie recipe. And, and you've got some heavy mm-hmm. hitters in there. You've got Peter Cushing, you've got Carradine. Yep. I mean, it it's it's stacked. It's a stacked deck. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I enjoy it, because like the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this sounds like it would be a zombie movie, but the way it's kind of advertised, it's not. And then I get watching it, and I'm like, wait, is that Carradine? Wait, is that Cushing? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm invested. Um, but yeah, like for me, th- those have been my big draws when it comes to zombie movies of late. I... Mm. I, I'm not a big Call of Duty person, so it has nothing to do with that. It's just an interesting mm-hmm. concept, you know, because they did odd science experiments back then, so it kind of lends to itself hand in hand. And Dead Snow desperately wants to be Evil Dead. Dead Snow is phenomenal. Well, yeah, it is. That falls under the whole... So, I mean, there even... Okay, so when Brain Dead or Dead Alive happened... Uh, it redid the zombie trope again. Yes. The, the zombie trope now became the zombie. And, and this is actually funny because it actually brought the social satire back to zombies. So you had Brain Dead or Dead Alive, and then you had uh, all these, you know, weird zombie comedies uh, like the Australian film The Undead. Um, you know, there were just zombies became something of a joke, right? And they're like, very good films, but it, it, it's over the top and it's fun. And if you want to watch something mm-hmm. that's just silly, those are the ones to watch. But like when it comes to serious, like zombie genre films, like I would have to say Shockwaves, mm-hmm. and then after that. I, I would stick with the classic Romero trilogy. I, I don't acknowledge mm-hmm. Land, even though it's a nice little Salvini machete zombie reference showing back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, you know, like the later sequels. What did you have? You had Diary of the Dead, even though it was supposed to be its own. Diary so, of the Dead. Um, Island well, of the isn't Dead. Twilight finally going to happen? Yeah, but I don't know how I feel about that, because that's... That's not going to be directed by Romero. I mean, obviously, dear God, mm. but I, I just, I, I would just say leave it be because at that point when mm. it was written and everything else, he was kicking out like direct-to-video scripts, and I, I just don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of like later Carpenter. I love later Carpenter mm. films, like when we get to, like I said, Ghost of Mars. And there was another one he did that I really, really enjoyed from around that era that a lot of people... Body bags? Huh? Body bags? No, no, that was 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, That was 90s? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this was something that would have been like 2000s. I want to say it was direct to video, but it was decent and involved in an asylum. Mm-hmm. And it was really good for a carpenter okay. film and on a lower budget. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it just seems like you get lesser quality after a while. And at the end of the day, I think mm-hmm. the only reason I love Ghost of, Mar- uh, Ghost of Mars was that it was supposed to be another sequel to Escape from. There's going to be escape from Earth this time, um, but obviously, escape to, uh, from LA didn't pan out. So, we I, 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 the surfing scene, I just yeah, oh, yeah, and then the bat, uh, yeah, I just, yeah. The most memorable thing a, is you know, Bruce Campbell. In retrospect, it's a fun movie to visit, but it just is not. You know, it just was not. I've got no problem. It was not, it was a bad decision to get that direction. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, what possessed you guys to make what was such a straightforward film into a very satirical film? But I mean, um, if, I'm, if I'm gonna watch Carpenter Trash, I'm going to watch Big Trouble in Little China. Because let's just be yeah. Frank. Well, that's great. It's not trash. It's it, not trash. It, it's, it's great, great but really, like. The main character. Really it's it's Carpenter light. What? Mm-hmm. The main character. It's Carpenter the main character. Mm-hmm. It, it, they feel like they threw everything at the mm-hmm. wall to stick to it. Let's make money off of Indiana Jones. It, <laughs> I just don't know where they were coming from mm-hmm. with that. I did like some of the Asian <laughs> mysticism in it, but yeah, to have Kurt Russell in the forefront. And he's not really the main character. I mean, if you watch the movie and you just understand that he thinks he's the main character, but he's not really the main yeah. character, <laughs> it's a far better movie. Well, it's it's all it's all about Jack Barton's ego. I yes. mean, that's he's just a narcissist. So. He keeps interrupting all the scenes. Exactly, with the main characters. <laughs> and you watch it underneath well, that guy. Is there anything else? No, no, uh, I think we covered it all, and then we're gonna have to. Uh, you mentioned um, the Tombs movie, um, Tombs of the uh, Living. Dead. Oh, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Yes, um, Blind I'd Dead. love to just do uh, something on Osario because Osario's yeah. movies are very interesting. Because I've always wanted to tack, uh, tackle it, but I know it's a revered thing, and I've always found that it helps mm-hmm. to have somebody that has that reverence toward it. Because I'm very irreverent. I'm the type of person mm-hmm. who will watch something and go, "Yeah, that was shit." You know, but it's nice mm-hmm. to have somebody to counterbalance that to go, well, here's what they were saying. Cause sometimes there is stuff lost in translation, things that get mm-hmm. edited out of Americanized cuts or dubs or subs. I mean, hell, if you're you're not watching like um subtitled Japanese films, you're fucking up because you're missing a lot of the plot. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I I am a strong subs power girl when it comes down to it well you know the thing about italian films is by tradition they were dubbed after the fact and also you had cast members that were literally reading scripts in multiple languages at the same time so italian vernacular cinema it really doesn't make a difference if you watch subs or dubbing um i i enjoy you know the the subs just because i get to experience you know the italian audience what they saw 
but everybody else was getting an English dub. It's so, kind of like the best way I can describe it is is like I know like Pan's Labyrinth doesn't has a dub. And honestly, I mean, mm-hmm. you can watch that movie without subtitles and you still kind of get the gist of the dreamlike quality of what's going on mm-hmm. because Guillermo del Toro is just that good of a director, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Hands down. But mm-hmm. I, I think Pan's Labyrinth is one of those few movies, but there are so very little that can do that, which is unfortunate. Well, on that on that note, um, no, number one, I want to say, you know, um, I haven't talked a lot about Romero. I adore Romero. Romero is is, is one of the great American filmmakers. Pennsylvania um, filmmaker. Pennsylvania filmmakers. I mean, it's definitely worth digging into his catalog. But we've been talking a lot about, you know, wh- where Fulci lies and the idea of Fulci riding the back of romero is honestly in my opinion totally absurd yes um and that's why i kind of wanted to separate it because yeah honestly with what's presented in these films and what i've seen and known in the past that yes you know the romero cycle kind of helped to get these attention but they aren't because Mm -hmm. or in response to the romero cycle they're still their own thing and mm-hmm. that's one of the things I always like to try to explain to people. I'm like, no, this is not the directors or the writers' intent, you know, intention. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always going to get picked up that way because that's how it was commercialized. Because Day of the Dead mm-hmm. was zombie overseas, and then of course Fulci mm-hmm. zombie got stuck with zombie too, and mm-hmm. it just makes for bad bad blood. And then you have all the uh, I don't know how to describe them sequels, but um, yeah, you can get really confused on it. I think I have bought Fulci's Zombie no more than five times under at least five different titles. <laughs> Very true. Well, Sasha, thank you so much for having me on. No, thank it you is for always being an honor. on. Thank you. Everybody needs to check out Ambassador oh. Radio, FYI, and some of the content yeah, I'm putting I, uh... on. Um, ambassadorradio.org it's a music based program obscure rare music uh, a lot of history Um, been kicking around the radio thing for almost 30 years now so and you need to do more of that album stuff and you need to dip into some weird stuff I mean you dipped into some weird stuff but I want you to get really weird with it (laughs) (laughs) after a very strange year last year i'm now starting to work with time management so i'm getting there (laughs) throw in some wednesday 13 and and, uh, murder dolls and we're we're good (laughs) cool well thank you so very much thank you you have a good night That's the game Put you in a chase And you run away Then I gotta get Where you're at In any way 
trying not to get bit Cause I don't wanna transform and get real sick Yeah, staying strong is a must Cause zombies are crazy and you got to be tough Look, never fight one on one Cause they might creep up on you so you might wanna run Yeah, stacking up on supplies now Until I find a safe place where I can hide out Look, hey, rule number one Get your cardio up because you're gonna have to run Rule 17, don't ever try and be a hero Trying to be number one will only turn into a zero Never swing low and always check the back seat Keep your shoes tight, tight like you in the track meet It's only time to act in the situation Heat any sudden hesitation then your ass stand me I'm a And now, the Long Coat Mafia Podcast. It's a Long Coat Mafia Podcast! You screwed it up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and zombies of all stages of decomposition, I hope you enjoyed the conversation that Sasha had with Trevor about, about zombie movies stemming from Italy, Europe, and the whole aspect, horror movies in general, and the whatnot. But if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you know where to leave them. That's in the comments section down below. But let me just say, I apologize. I thought that their conversation lasted about two hours. Turns out I was wrong. But again, you win again in regards to the total length of this episode. Uh, Like I said, I hope you enjoyed it. Leave a comment if you're able to. If not, uh, look at our social media links in the description down below. Sasha's links are going to be in there. Since this is posted up on Monday, October 30th of 2023, I hope all of you out there will have a safe and fun Halloween this year. Or if you celebrated over the weekend, had a fun celebration in regards to Halloween. But either way... Take care. Uh, if there's going to be an extra episode or a uh, brand new episode or whatever that will be happening this week, I hope I could see you then, even if it is a filler episode. But that being the case, I'll just leave you with not just a special treat after everything, but this. I'm a gamer. I'm wearing a bikini. See you next time on the Long Coat Mafia. Dark Stone, Jump Star, we gon' do it again. Yeah, check it, yo. The fog of nil ball dips in like a phantom. Monsters is chanting random death anthems. Lust and bloodthirst from full moon to sliver. Make a fast break for the bridge, cross the river. Evil not permitted outside the lines of town. The key to any door, dark stone, lock it down. 
hold the crown, penis scepter, take the throne, jump star in the zone, trouble in the terror dome. All I see is evil creatures commiserating. I gotta fuck a couple up, release some frustration. Mutilation, ripping chunks of raw flesh, immortal combat, victory is flawless. The girls look good, especially when they brawless. The skeleton key is what the fuck you call this. Snicker Pernicus, Howard and my man Cornelius. It's bombing ancient enemies, blowing in the dust, taking pick faster. Through style like classic, who's first to step up and get that punk ass whip? Smack a blue for lady, wrap a spider in a web. Tell my boss I quit while he gets here from under his desk. I'm being less, even step to no chairs. The invisible man got me down in my focus. And once I get it back, I'ma drop that hook and set it off like Conrad Brooks. Blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopers like a telethon Blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopers like a telethon it's time we dispose of the Omri foes But first pour yourself a bowl of some Johnny O's We can't wait till a thousand zombies roll calm Not when nigga Fernie kisses close and notes bombs Of course we fold palms to fists and then hit And how we're gonna devour the bullshit with a full clip But don't slip if the king rolls bored He got a scepter but my man Cornelius throws swords Imagine working in the video store And getting kidnapped by the heroes that you rootin' for They would've gave Neil a gun but they feared he couldn't cock it right So why they were stocking up he only got a pocket knife And with that in mind They had to fly back to Neil Ball But there's still one guy That tries to ambush Howard But he gets grabbed up Trying to step to the crew You gon' get stabbed up They got each other's back That's what a lot of cats lacks This ain't qualified or fortified I just can't step up to the competition Take a minute to stop and listen To this ill-ass rendition Of a dark stone vision I'm not kidding Ready to rumble with the best of them And once I get a taste of blood I'm taking out the rest of them And after no chance Gets beat down I get Guarantee these freaks will be too weak to even leave town. Blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopings like a telethon B. Skeleton Skeleton. Blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopings like a telethon B. Skeleton we can't let this mission get cut short They got a two-headed, five-legged go-to report But get sidetracked by Sandy and quickly Nope, she too sees through love and calls it a hoax They get close and sweaty and evil he loves spawn With his feet propped up while he eats popcorn But soon it's back to business, no time for games Facing crazy lunatics, sporting two mind frames From Q-Bird to Sniffles, in the blink of an eye They got a potion for evil since he don't think he can die And so they got the formula, Sniffles got lost Evil tried to step but dip his balls up in Hot sauce, take out no chairs just when it gets critical. Make them disappear, cause that's the opposite of visible. The cab dives off the cliff and explodes. That's the end, motherfucker. Let the credits roll. Skeleton, blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopings like a telethon B. Skeleton, blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopings like a telethon B. Blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopers like a telethon B. Skeleton. Blood and bones and death chains. Assume the stance and throw hands. I'm pledging ass whoopers like a telethon B. Skeleton. Skeleton. Yeah. Dark stone. 
Skeleton Key! 